0: My name is Jenny Hinchcliffe, and this is Senders Receive, a podcast about mail, art, and the people who make it happen. Broadcasting from beautiful San Francisco while bringing you stories and experiences of postal moderns and mail art mavens. Let's go ahead and bring on the show. Hello, Senders Receive listeners. This is Jenny Hinchcliffe, and I'm sitting down today with Mitsko Brooks. Mitsuko Brooks was born in the Aomori Prefecture of Japan and moved to the United States at an early age. She is a 1.5 generation Shin Issei Japanese-American artist living and working in New York. Her mail art collages, artist books, zines, and assemblages are in the collections of the Smithsonian's Archive of American Art, Art Text Information Center in Canada, and Barnard College's Library in New York. She has held a variety of residencies throughout the U.S. and exhibited at venues, including the San Francisco Art Institute, California College of the Arts, and recently at the Steve Turner Gallery in Los Angeles. Her work often utilizes storytelling or personal narrative while incorporating dense, layered visuals or the use of materials that others might consider discards. It is a pleasure to be able to sit down with Mitsko and hear more about her work and postal philosophies. Welcome so much, Mitsko. Thank you. I'm really excited to have you here today. Thanks for being able, yeah, to
1: have this podcast that's really interesting and yeah, to include me.
0: Yeah, thank you. So I guess I, you know, I'm just so excited to hear about all of your gorgeous work But I was hoping that we could start with the kinds of things, the kinds of mail that you made and sent as a child.
1: Yeah. Um, I can't remember like the exact letters that I was sending as a child, except for maybe like Christmas cards, which was a really big um, practice in like with my family in our house, like every Christmas, where we would sit down and write out long cards to like relatives and family friends, and like mm-hmm. everyone would like pass it down and write something. But like more so, like the mail like the male art or like, you know, the collaging of the exterior of an envelope kind of I feel like started around like my adolescence, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Did you write letters?
1: Yeah, I definitely wrote a lot of letters. Yeah. Yeah, so I had somehow my, I think it was my dad, he connected um, me to like a Turkish pen pal. And I think it was when I was living in Oregon. So it was sometime before age 13. And then that pen pal like, kind of like shared my address with like a bunch of their friends or classmates and so I had like at least three or four Turkish pen pals and we would write in English and uh yeah I don't know just a lot of like getting to know you kind of stuff and I really enjoyed it it was just like really fun to get the stationery you know looks really different in each country for like youth and like school kids and um, the handwriting style is like different to like um, each country
0: and and the postage stamps and the postage stamps <laughs> <laughs> You know, like there's just a thrill when that airmail envelope comes as a little kid to your <laughs> mailbox and you're like wow Christmas <laughs> yeah and there's like this
1: crazy loophole too you know with the people that um, live on air force bases or other military bases mm-hmm. it's like an APOAE, and then like you can use like like even if I'm getting like a letter from an international friend I think so in like Tel Aviv who's like affiliated with some kind of base or something maybe yeah. this is like blurry in my mind but it'll have i don't know it almost like appears like it's coming from the u.s even though like i i was a recipient at one point we were living off base in northern italy but so like you would just still have american stamps i don't know i always just think it's kind of weird
0: so you traveled around a lot you moved around a lot as a as a child yeah
1: Yeah. And yeah, that like, I feel like the mailing really kind of helped that transition Mm, um, mm -hmm. in terms of being connected to friends that I left and then just having someone to write to. And I don't know what came first, like my social anxiety and so my comfort in writing letters Mm. over like getting to know people face to face or or if it's just like part of my personality or that came out because we moved around a lot. But yeah, it's interesting.
0: Do you still correspond with any of your childhood pen pals or friends?
1: I don't. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sad to say.
0: A A few other people have talked about that I've interviewed have discussed how they got started and it's surprising. There's a lot of pen palling like early pen palling that inspired you know their adult lives and artistic lives, um, sending things through the mail, and uh, a lot of them say, "Oh, you know, like my childhood pen pal moved, and I never heard from them again, or I just fell out of touch, or." And I know I'm the same way too. <laughs> like, it just <laughs> okay, happened. That makes me feel no, <laughs> it just happened that way. <laughs> no, no, you are not alone. You are not alone. <laughs> yeah,
1: and it's it's confusing because the letters that I wrote to some of these people were very very personal. Like, yeah. you know, as time went on, especially like like 13, like age 13 mm-hmm. time, like very very personal and confessional. Yeah. So, it's kind of sad that it just faded out. I mean, I am like I've heard other people or another person that you interviewed on your podcast, but I am connected like on social media with some And in talking with you, I am reminded that actually one of those teenage kind of riot girl era pen pal zinester friends I had did connect with me and did send me something through the mail. And I owe her something. So I need to (laughs) get moving on that.
0: So my question was, I spend a lot of time thinking about those kinds of things that I wrote not even so long ago, like on the backs of postcards and stuff and i think will someone scan that and put it online and then how will i feel about it like <laughs> <laughs> wow <Whoa. laughs> yeah i mean oh, i don't know I never thought about that. Yeah, uh so- oh sorry <laughs> I was like oh no now it changes everything oh no
1: it's fine I find it entertaining I'm not yeah it doesn't a lot sometimes I can go through like a weird head spiral where I get anxious and worried and imagine scenarios but yeah. even with you bringing that up it doesn't make me get freaked out I think it's kind of fascinating I think yeah definitely I think there's like a part of exhibitionism like Mm. through the mail art and how the letter is never concealed and that I actually enjoy that part so if someone scanned (laughs) someone (laughs) actually had the time and energy I guess we're assuming a postal worker
0: oh my gosh I'm just thinking like I send something to a friend and then they're like, oh, this is super great. I'm going to take a picture of the front and the back with my iPhone. And I got this from Jenny and I posted the photos on Instagram. It's more like that's what I'm thinking, you know. And then suddenly I'm like, oh, crap. I wish I wouldn't have written that grumpy comment about somebody I, Mm -hmm. I, you know. (laughs) I don't know. know. Those are the kinds of things I sometimes think about.
1: Wow, yeah. that's an interesting, yeah, I mean, that kind of thing does come up, because I do like to share it online, like on mm-hmm. my website, or on Instagram, and, and there are some letters that are, like, really embarrassing, and very negative, like, you know, a lot of them probably are negative, the earlier ones are very negative, negative. And at the time when I was writing it, I was like, I don't care. I believe in, like, catharsis. And I know there's someone else out there that feels miserable too. And they will feel validated and comforted that someone else is not scared to say it out loud and to, like, take away that shame. But then, like, time can go by and that peace still exists. And um, someone will ask me to, like, read it out loud in, like, a classroom and Zoom or someone will, like, I will decide to put it in a show, and then it's, like, really public, and then I will also have weird, you know, counterproductive thoughts of, oh, gosh, this is so embarrassing, like, Mm -hmm. I don't want someone to read that. I don't know, it's weird, or I'll mention, like, a specific person without using their name, and, I will then be really embarrassed, like years, I don't know, it's weird, like years later, I'll just be like, I don't, I don't want that piece to be a representation of me. And I lose the ability to kind of step outside of myself and want it to just be witnessed. I don't know. And then I want to like hide it away. Yeah, I have that a lot with my
0: letters. Yeah, I mean, I think of I think of people that I've written to about situations, friendships or breakups or whatever. And then I think, oh, man, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> do I wish I would have done that? I can't tell a then, Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but it is it's it's interesting to think about because because it is such a personal mode of connecting with someone and communicating And in the moment, I always feel like I'm going to know this person forever. We're going to be friends forever. We're going to always be this open with each other. And then sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. Anyway, (laughs) a little bit of a tangent, but oh.
1: (laughs) A very related, I don't know. I really relate to that tangent. Like, yeah, it's a thing I struggle with with my male art. So yeah. Yeah
0: yeah, like, how much to share, and with who, and are they strangers, or do I know them, you know, like, all of those different levels. It's interesting. So, so then, I guess, speaking to that a little bit, do you, do you have any specific mail art philosophies about, you know, sending or receiving or documenting moments of your life?
1: Yeah, um, there always been kind of vague, like, um, in the beginning, I would just say I, I wasn't going to plan anything out. Um, I would just mm-hmm. write the letter stream of consciousness. And it was just like we you were just describing, it was a letter to a friend. And I would try to be completely open and not like edit myself at all. And not be I don't know, just not think of it like existing outside of us, but while simultaneously knowing that it would be, because mm-hmm. it was like, you know, it was like a decision that this was like a piece of male art. Mm-hmm. And the letter was written on the back of a book cover. So it was visible to anyone. And then I would, um, as time went on, I would scan them both sides. And then, um, you know, use them in applications or, you know, on web, on like my website. And so the letter was visible and it was not just visible for myself and the friend that I was writing it to. So it, so it played with that uncomfortability over time of, well, also, you know, you're, you're sharing someone's personal address, which is like very personal and then, like, my own, which I've always felt less scared of. I only wrote pieces to my really good friends. So it was, like, one or three different really good friends. And yeah. they would just kind of hang on to the the mail art. And it was a gift. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, done from that. And they didn't always write back. And then, like sporadically maybe I would write something to myself like if I was in an undergrad class and I needed to like complete a project to put up on the wall for a thesis and so I just sent some things to myself and then as like time went on I was making mail art and like applying for shows and grants more seriously and like applying for graduate school and then like in graduate school I was accepted with the mail art portfolio. So I thought I should continue making the mail art. And I realized I needed to have an object to put on the wall because that's what people did in grad school. They like pinned up their (laughs) artwork on the wall and had their studio visits. People came in and looked at it. And I didn't have that because, you know, you send out the piece and it's gone. And it was really, it was very confusing And so I made like, uh, large, like I made, um, color seed print, you know, like printouts, like fancy Uh color printouts on the nice, like matte photo paper of the mail art pieces that were all pretty small to like, maybe like four or five times like larger scale. Um, but it just didn't carry like the weight of the mail art. Um, you know, like it's, the translation, I don't know, is very, it didn't work for me. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm really going on tangent. But anyways, so I just, yeah, so I kind of just after that, I just stopped doing the mail art for graduate school and just started making like, like kind of like objects in the studio, because it was, I couldn't figure it out. um, The two different worlds.
0: Yeah, I feel like male art and the fine art world have always had this kind of uneasy relationship with each other yeah I'm
1: like constantly confused and trying to make peace with it or understand Mm -hmm. how it exists but I mean like I already know that the two do exist like you know I've been to like art book fairs where there's like Ray Johnson's and there's <laughs> right. like glass vitrines that you right. can't even touch. <laughs> and like it's written into some art history book and there are, you know, numerous books published and exhibitions. Mm-hmm. It's like within the art academia thought, but it's still like, I've heard you also talk about and which I've talked about like in other interviews is there is like that joy or beauty of the male art world that it is, it's so much against that gallery scene. Right. Yeah. I don't know. And I feel like I kind of exist between the two worlds and I do like, I try, I don't know. Yeah. It's very confusing for me. Yeah.
0: I think also part of it is a timing thing right now. And I've been talking with a lot of friends about this about how you know there is a a recognition of mail art that is happening right now there's going to be a big ray johnson retrospective in chicago at the end of the year Um, you know this fluxus ideas you know they did a lot of making and sending artist stamps mail art i feel like there's this 50-year recognition that's happening, (laughs) you know. It's like, ah, it's been 50 years, and so that means that the clock is sort of shifting and moving forward, and so now mail art and fluxes and zines and, like, all of these things in the late 70s, early 80s are now kind of becoming recognized and, like, the cool new things to write about, to think about, to exhibit. So, you know, there's part of me that is, like, Ah, uh, the relationship right now is uneasy, but that's only because nobody in an institutional setting has been really thinking or talking about male art, you know. And now, because it was such a big thing, you know, like so many artists were making and sending things through the mail 50 years ago in the 70s and the 80s. Now it's just like this... <laughs> you know this like subgenre of art that has to be reckoned with and so i'm i look forward to seeing how you know like moma or small galleries are going to I- exhibit pieces that are made and sent through the mail because it's mm. such a rich thing you know
1: yeah i could, yeah i agree i feel like it is like a really rich like genre Oh, and I like that what you're talking about. Yeah, about this trend that I've noticed too, of this kind of revival or more attention coming to male art, Mm -hmm. and also the relationship with the attention to zines, which I also feel like have kind of become normalized and like trendy again. And that has been happening for quite some time. And at first, it was like kind of jarring for me where i i think it's just from my own experience and or narrow-mindedness just remembering it from the era of the early 90s and what it meant then in that time and place without email you know meeting people and this was like more than 10 years ago i remember just meeting someone and they were like i'm working on a zine Mm -hmm. And I was like, what? And it was kind of, it had the vibe of, like, the way people use language to talk about things to, like, prop themselves up to seem, Mm. like, cool. Right. And I was, like, confused because it became this, it is, like, a cool thing again, at least, or it was. And I was just, like, very confused. I was like, oh, it can still exist. It's not over. Right. Yeah. And that, wow, and that male art is somehow going to become that, like, in 10 years from now. That's really, I don't know,
0: wow. Yeah. Yeah, And I mean, even now, there's, I feel like there's this third or fourth wave of zine makers. And now, you know, they're using Riso, and they're, it's, like, (laughs) way beyond, like, (laughs) Xerox and hunched over a photocopy machine late at night. It's just, like... Oh, well, you know, my my art department has a Riso machine and we did it as a class project. We all made a zine. And it's like, what?
1: Yeah. yeah, I love it. I love it.
0: (laughs) It's good. Yeah, it's so good. I
1: still need to, like, relax into it somehow.
0: So can we talk a little bit about your your studio practice? Mm -hmm. You, you know, in looking at your work, you have this incredible love for books and zines and it's apparent immediately when I look at your work um you know you have you do lots of hand lettering uh, you use discarded book covers uh, lots of collage and so I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about those practices and and, in how they've evolved for you over the years of doing mail art
1: yeah I was like trying to understand how these has changed over time. I guess I'm just thinking about when you're deeply within making something, sometimes it's a little hard for you to like see it for what it is. And I was thinking about what you're gonna ask me or asking me now about um, how you can see the zine or like obviously, well, like the book part because I use literal book covers how that's like visible in the work.
0: Do you find that you prefer collage over like other techniques?
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 It's all about the collage. I used to do collages just on the book covers before I mailed them out for a while. Right. So yeah, the collaging is very important to me and like kind of just like brings me personal joy um, when I'm making them and usually the collaging on the book cover kind of happens first and it's kind of thinking about like the background or laying the stage and about how the the brush the letter painting is going to be held or visible or more visible by that collage background so yeah
0: Ooh, so tell me why um because I love I love the book covers so how did you land on book covers they're so beautiful
1: yeah um yeah I know I love them so much I worked in a library for a really long time and left there and then just came back to working at the same library and they would rebind the books that would get the worn-out covers mm, and send yeah. them off to a bindery place, and so then they would—I um, would help with, you know, putting on the new barcodes and stuff. And then they would—they would always put the nicer covers out on the giveaway truck, and then other ones just throw away. And so I just wow. always like regularly gathered those, and yeah. and I've been—I had a box of them that I shipped to Los Angeles when I was moved, mm-hmm. lived out there from the library, and then mailed a bunch back here to New York. And I'm almost about done with them all. Oh, wow. and so I'm kind of excited. Well, you know, and because of the pandemic, the mm-hmm. libraries mostly shut down. Well, I don't go there. My job is like remote with them. So I don't know, sometimes I think there's, you know, I think there's, it's always important to evolve and stuff. And I've been doing collages and mail art on book covers for a really long time Mm -hmm. so I was thinking maybe I need to think of like a new like substrate to work with so I don't know I'm kind of like excited to be like using almost having used up all the book covers yeah
0: yeah yeah
1: Yeah. Yeah, I like to use all materials that are free and just like discarded I was listening to this artist do like a Instagram live and he was talking to about how he doesn't like to use like expensive art materials when he's working because it becomes kind of stressful. Like if you mess it up, you've, I don't know, like I too, like what he was saying is that, which I relate to is that I get anxious about like using some like brand new like, Nice paper or whatever, because I'll just like mess it up or is what I'm doing worthwhile. And so it's so nice to not spend any money on your materials, basically.
0: Yeah, it makes it makes the whole process of it seem less precious and just easier, Mm -hmm. I think, all around.
1: Yeah. And another thing I like about the mail art is, you know, we put our hands on it, like mm-hmm. all the hands that touch it when it goes through the mail system and how that's the complete opposite of like fine art world where it's, you're not supposed to put your hand on the the oil painting, but with the mail art you can, but then also this, like, you know, I was talking about with like the Ray Johnson's on display But now when they're on display, you can't touch them. It's Mm -hmm. taboo again. And that's really strange. I don't know. I'm fascinated by that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because one of the things that is so engaging and awesome about mail art and, you know, sending and receiving is that it's this very tangible thing. You know, you get this physical thing in your (laughs) mailbox and you get to hold it and you get to like savor it, you know? But it's harder when it moves into that realm of institutional exhibition and, you know, academia, because that immediately, depending, it creates a barrier.
1: Yeah, it does. Yeah, it really changes it and removes it. Also, like, just the genre of male art. I just want to say, like, this is also something I've thought about is, like, when I'm applying for stuff or when I was applying for graduate school, it's like there, was, there wasn't there was a school that had like a male art program. And so you have to choose like what category you want to be in. And a lot of times it was like painting or printmaking, but that isn't at all the genre that I see male art existing in because it yeah. also could be you know debated to be within performance in that the amount of time it takes to you know walk to the post office and like the interaction with the postal worker yeah. and then the person that receives it and like what happens after that and that i don't know or is it social practice i'm mm-hmm. i'm always like very frustrated by that yeah. having to choose
0: right 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 because it Mail art fits within the sphere of all of these different things. Like it's engaging yeah. on so many different levels.
1: Yeah. If you had to pick what category, if would you put it
0: in? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So. So then, if we're talking about the post office, <laughs> because I think we might be now, um, if we're if we're talking about the post office and you know the postal carriers this is something else I think about a lot too. What's what do you have a favorite part of the post office? Like the process of it, the action of it, you know, is it like going to the counter? Is it buying the stamps? Is it putting the thing in the mailbox? I mean, do you have a favorite part? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I like the, the waiting in the lot. Well, you, when you go there, you never know, is it going to be a really long line or is that not going to be a line at all? Are you going to get someone who's really happy, which is less often, or someone that's just like really like annoyed and not interested? I don't know. It's always like, it's like a a coin toss up, but um, when there's a long line, which, you know, by this point, I always kind of tell myself there will be one. And so then it's like a meditative kind of, or mindfulness practice where it's forced to, like, chill out and be as calm as possible because you know that this is part of it. Yeah, there's some kind of enjoyment I have with getting into the waiting and the patience.
0: It's interesting to think about because a lot of people just get so aggravated at the waiting, (laughs) you know? So then that that begs the question, do you usually go to the counter or do you just put things in the blue box at oh, the corner.
1: always oh yeah I never put stuff in the box for the mail art I never yeah, yeah. put it in the box mm-hmm. I also just want to say like years ago I think when I was younger I really did get into my interaction with the postal worker and kind of was looking forward to like how they would react but I think yeah. now as I've gotten older I kind of just let it be I'm just yeah. like you know I'm not going to get excited but yeah I like really you know I feel like you have talked about this with someone else too on the podcast but they don't postmark letters or mail art the way they used to so at least in New York and so I'll like ask I think it's because the machines now right yeah. it's automated um, and so like I really want that postal stamp to happen because I think that for me that kind of finalizes the piece. So I have to usually ask them to do it. And I always feel like I seem like I'm like a weird controlling person <laughs> that I have to like ask them. That part, I, yeah, that part I really enjoy.
0: Yeah, it doesn't help that they make a person feel like it's a huge favor being asked of them to do that, you know. Like- <laughs> I know
1: why. I once, know. once this was so crazy in Los Angeles and downtown. The postal worker was like, "You want to do it?" And he like handed me the stamp, <laughs> and I was like, "This
0: must be like
1: like a like illegal." But I was like, "All right, let's." This was amazing, and like. Yes. Um, like you're not allowed to take photographs in the post office right right? like of the interaction and I sometimes want to play with that a little bit I don't know just to get like documentation
0: wow best day at the post office ever
1: yeah thank you (laughs) I thought that was amazing too and I was like I was like knowing in here is noticing like how amazing this is that I get to like I love it when they do like a bunch of stamps because you know I usually do a bunch of stamps spread out I guess like most male artists and like I love it when someone gets kind of like OCD and they need Uh to like get every like what they used (laughs) to do way back in the day where they want to make sure it gets some ink on every stamp so you can't reuse it but nowadays they don't care they'll just do like one stamp. But yeah, I love it when it gets a bunch of them, and when you can read the city and the name of the station. Yeah. Like I feel like you don't get that these days.
0: Yeah. Yeah, not as much. I mean, so I've I've asked other people this before. How do you feel about the the sharpie pen cancels?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of a u- it's kind of lo- it's kind of ugly. It's kind of ugly. It's fair enough. Not no. it's not as... Yeah, but it is part of the system but it's it's like not a happy factor
0: yeah 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 (laughs) so then do you do you get mail delivered at your your building or do you have a po box i get
1: i've always gotten mail delivered at my building i've always wanted to get a post office box i've gotten like two different post office box applications and like I don't know why I've never been able to follow through with it, which is insane because I move around so much, I really should get one. Um, yeah, I had a friend that had one in high school and I just thought it was really cool.
0: I was going to ask if you if if your mail is delivered at your building, what does your postal person think of that? Do they do they love the stuff you get from other people?
1: Yeah, I just like I just moved like less than two months ago. So I haven't like gotten to know the postal delivery person Mm -hmm. and I actually haven't received any mail art Mm -hmm. since I've been here.
0: When you're making stuff, when you're making mail, do you find yourself creating, like, do you make first and send later or do you specifically create for the person that you're mailing to.
1: Yeah. I like to make it for the person Mm -hmm. when I'm just doing the, the paper collage on like the book cover, like the first layer, not so much thinking about the person. And then when I'm like painting the letter and then like selecting the stamps, then I am like thinking of like, what would the person enjoy or lately I've been asking people like it sounds silly, but like, what's your favorite color? And then I try to like oh. integrate that color in some way into yeah. the the text painting.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite postage stamp right now?
1: Yeah, I do. Yeah, I like the the baby deer oh, from yeah. the '90s. Yeah. You know about that one? Yeah,
0: those are so sweet.
1: I like. I'm obsessed oh, with it. I that was good. just thinking I would maybe want to do like just paintings of. stuff Stamps. I don't know on uh-huh. t-shirts or something. I saw someone that had a Forever Stamp hoodie on recently, and I was like, "Whoa!" And it was like, it was like he was like a young person, so oh, it was wow. like this hip thing, and I was like, "Whoa! <laughs> you don't know what this is doing for my brain." And then I found on eBay that there's like the post office has been creating postage stamps t-shirts for years. There's all these vintage ones, and
0: I ordered one with dolphins on them. But what's your favorite postage stamp? Oh, well, right now, there are so many great ones. Well, I mean, if I had to choose a vintage one, it would be the Sleepy Hollow stamp. Oh. It has, yeah, it has that really nice, um, I want to say it was done in the maybe 60s, maybe late 50s. It has this indigo blue oh. sky with these black tree branches and a giant orange moon and then you know ichabod crane is riding through the forest (laughs) the colors are so delicious that's
1: amazing
0: oh you should oh man i'll send you some um and then but my favorite new one is the year of the ox
1: okay they're so
0: gorgeous they're so beautiful (laughs) oh man
1: very graphic
0: yes yes super tasty
1: so, yeah, there's good. so many good ones. Yeah, there's these, like, meteorological ones, like, of geodes and stuff, like, that I think are so beautiful. And then there's, like, these Amish quilt ones. Oh, yeah. There's, like, uh-huh. so many that, like, I love.
0: Yeah. But then if I have to pick one, I'm, like, <laughs> obsessed with that baby. Yeah. I remember that baby. Theater. Was that, like, a 19-center? I feel like it's a 19 cents. Yes, 19. Um, yeah, I think yeah. Right. 19 <laughs> since, yeah. it's 19 cents. Yeah.
1: It's a crazy number now, but yeah. back then it made
0: sense. It yeah. must have been the postcard. Yeah, I bet it was. I bet you're right. Listen to us totally geeking out like this. This is what I live for. I haven't been able to talk about that with
1: anyone. <laughs>
0: oh no, it just like it represents my childhood and like yeah. bliss. And it's a great size too. It's like that small little size. <laughs> so can we talk about your your exhibition at Steve yeah. Turner in 2019? Mm-hmm. I really um, I'm glad that you mentioned that you want to you know talk a little bit about this exhibition the installation of this exhibit is really beautiful super beautiful mm. and so yeah um can you just talk about how did you select the pieces in the show
1: yeah sure and um I just want to say too the ex- the awesome hanging of the objects all I think it's Jonathan that works at Steve Turner I think it was his idea so it's totally it's on him for doing that I wish I could you know it's not me but how did I select the work so I just had like a two-month prep period before the show and so I had like maybe 20 plus pieces that I mailed out and so it wasn't like selecting them it was just the ones that actually got delivered during that time that two-month time frame and then actually were returned in time or at all for the show so it was like all new work kind of coming back to what I was talking about earlier um, with not having an object I had to ask everyone if they would be able to return it to me to use for the show and so that was like uncomfortable and strange. And I would like some people, I mm. would send them like prepaid um, envelopes to make it easier. Um, but some people never mailed it back Um, and I found out later it was like it was intentional like they just didn't want to give up the work but couldn't communicate that to me and then other people just you know I got they got busy and they couldn't mail it back in time Mm -hmm. and then other pieces got lost like I sent one to this artist in Mexico it never got to him and then I sent like two I sent one to Yayoi Kusama because I was like I really would, I really looked up to her and I was like, that would be great. But it, I sent to like another one, maybe thinking the first one got lost, but so like those never like came back or whatever. Yeah. So that was the process at that time too, for that show it was different. Usually I only sent um, pieces to people I knew really well and trusted. So these, I selected some people I didn't know at all and asked them if I could, um, and if they were willing to like mail it back. And so some people it was like, yeah, that like kind of idols are people I wanted to like build like a connection with that I didn't know at all. And then I did include some of the people that I had always been mailing to.
0: And so you you got to see the show in person. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So what was it like to walk into the room?
1: And- <laughs> it was like really, it was kind of funny because it felt like kind of like hushed and like kind of spiritual or quiet. At the opening because everyone was just like walking around kind of in a circle like reading each piece so that was kind of funny and entertaining and then the letters were like I was very depressed when I was like making all those pieces for the show and stressed out and like working over 40 hours a week and so there was a lot of negativity in the letters so that also that thing we talked about earlier where it was like oh like these are complete strangers and This is like my opening, like my first real like gallery opening solo show. And then, but it's like so vulnerable and that that actually felt slightly uncomfortable. Oh yeah. And then after that, I got even kind of more depressed and I found out like years, I thought I was like, oh, maybe I'm just like not meant for this kind of putting your work out there. Like that and that the male art shouldn't exist in that way or there was something wrong with me and that I couldn't just find joy in like success and then like years later I found out like oh no like this is like a normal thing when you do like a creative project and you put it out in the world people get depressed and that it's actually like normal and I was like why didn't anyone tell me
0: that? Yeah. <laughs> you're like art school didn't prepare me for that <laughs> and many other things <laughs> yeah because you know you've worked so intently and so intensely two months on this project and then suddenly you have to let go of it you're seeing it out in the world it's being sort of like stared at and looked through by other people it's a big transition yeah know. I'm sorry that I wasn't able to see it in person. It oh, looks like it was a beautiful okay. show. Yeah. So then are you are you working on anything now?
1: Um I just went to the post office a couple days ago and I sent off a like a new piece.
0: I'm not like I'm not working
1: on any project. I'm haven't been like yeah, I'm not in any upcoming exhibitions at all. Like I feel like that's that well is kind of dried up temporarily. And so I'm I'm going to do like a little presentation um, at the Japanese American National Museum for Tracy Kato Kiriyama's letter writing workshop. And so I'm going to do a small oh, presentation cool. of like my mail art there and like kind of join in. I don't know. I'm just trying to balance a lot of different things going on in my life and trying to find energy to make new work. But I haven't been able to like find that I've kind of like lost it yeah
0: but that's okay
1: the ebbs and flows
0: yeah and the last year has just been for so many people I think and artists especially have been experiencing this where you know it's hard to do anything <laughs> let alone get out of bed and go into the studio or any sort of creative practice so yeah but I do feel like That's changing, Mm -hmm. so that's good. So, well, do you have any any sort of last last parting thoughts? Um, You know. Oh, here's a question for you. I have Uh a question for you. When you were making zines, what was your favorite?
1: I really liked my friend Muffy's zine, "My New Gun." The aesthetics and like subject matter was good. I really liked my friend Sarah Gion's zine too. I really liked, like, Ocean Capewell's zine. Um, ooh, but what was the title? It was, like, something like Jasmine's Little Sister or something. She had, like, a bunch of people had different, like, offshoots. I like my friends' perzines zines just because it was, like, a deeper way to get yeah. to know people. This is, like, one side topic mm-hmm. I'll just say. Just in terms of my bio, I feel like a lot of the good things that have happened to me have happened by accident, and so I'll just say mm-hmm. John Held Jr. Um, he yeah. just had an open call like a long time ago for this like Gutai mail art thing. And so I like sent mail, him, sent him something. And then it was in a show at the San Francisco Art Institute in 2013. And so yeah. that's how I had that show there, which sounds all fancy, but it's just like a mail art show. And you know how mail <laughs> art shows go, but that one just... Ended up in the Walter and McBean Galleries. And then the Smithsonian Archive of American Art asked him to, like, donate his mail art collection. So he just donated all that stuff. And within it was one of my mail art pieces. And so that's how I came into their permanent, you know, collection. So I just want to say, like, sometimes I feel like I'm, like, fronting, like, with these, these words or these descriptions, but they're all just like, I feel like they happen by the back door and by
0: chance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <and> no. <laughs> it still doesn't happen without talent. Thank you so much yeah. for yeah. taking the time to talk about it and doing your podcast. Totally. My pleasure. I remember that, that good tie oh. show. It was an excellent show. You saw it in person. Yeah. I sure did. And actually, okay. uh, no, actually I had a piece in that show as well. I had a sheet of artist stamps. Yeah, I did a, a stamp sheet of Shozo Shimano's. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, like doing one of his giant paintings just like covered in paint and working on the floors.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. I wish yeah. more people talked about the Japanese male artists. Thank you for bringing that. Up. I was just like on the Wikipedia, and I was like, "This isn't being mentioned enough." It's like being talked about like it's an American no. thing, and I was like, "It's not."
0: No, Gutai is is not at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I feel
1: like very soon or maybe already now, like, people are going to have, like, classes that are going to be, like, a male art class, like, in an art
0: school. Oh, that I mean, that would be awesome. You could teach that class. I would totally take that class. You would teach that class. <laughs> <laughs> I would just have all my friends teach that class. <laughs> My gosh. Well, I (laughs) I feel like we could talk all afternoon long. I don't want to take up, you know, the rest of the day into the night. So, but I do really, truly, truly, truly want to thank you so, so much for sitting down and taking the time to, to talk with me about your work. And you know, it's it's so beautiful, and I'm I'm thrilled to. You know, be introduced to it and um, and just see more and hear more. So, thank you so much. Thank you. That was thank awesome. You, thank you. Thanks. Senders Receive is recorded, edited, and hosted by Jenny Hinchcliffe, with many, many thanks to the contributors, artists, and interview subjects of Senders Receive. Our intro/outro music is by Keita and used as per the artist's Creative Commons terms. Additional info can be found in the show notes. If you're a mail artist or postal modern interested in being interviewed for Senders Receive, I invite you to send an email to sendersreceivepodcast at gmail.com. Keep current on new episodes at our Instagram account, at sendersreceivepodcast. That's all for now, and thanks for listening.